0: Hello, hello everyone, this is the Frankly Daniel Show, and I'm the Daniel and the Frankly part of this enterprise. It's my weekly exercise of my and your First Amendment rights, and it's an honor to be with you. So much to cover so much to say, so let's jump right in. Today's show is entitled Face Masks and Biden's COVID Policies for Dummies. And as you'll see, there's a lot of political dummies shoveling a lot of bad advice and outright misleading information about all things COVID. First, thank you so very much for your tremendous response to my last week's show entitled Liars, Liars, Joe Biden's Policies Are on Fire, where I focused on Biden's calamitous immigration policies. I'll be coming back again to what the corrupt radical left is doing to our national security, our sovereignty, and our financial commitment to a whole lot of uninvited strangers. The Liar Liar Show is now available on the America Out Loud website under the Frankly Daniels Show, as all my past shows are. Let me say again, if you're into conservative talk radio, then the America Out Loud Radio Network is the place to be, especially after the heartbreaking loss of our of our National treasure Rush Limbaugh. Allow me to start the show by playing a very recent clip of Dr. Walensky, who's the CDC director, as she announces a new CDC mask and social distance uh, guidance.
1: Anyone who is fully vaccinated can participate in indoor and outdoor activities, large or small, without wearing a mask or physical distancing. If you are fully vaccinated, you can start doing the things that you had stopped doing because of the pandemic. We have all longed for this moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy.
0: This is a new guidance statement from the CDC, actually from Dr. Rochelle Walensky herself, and it was issued on Thursday, May 13th. In essence, this new guideline says that fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks indoors or outdoors, and no longer have to physical or social distance from other people. Now some people are going to find this remarkably shocking, uh, this almost a 360 turnaround. But first I have to say this new guidance is long overdue. There's nothing in this guidance that the CDC could not have said 90 days ago, most certainly 60 days ago, unquestionably 30 days ago. There's always more data to be collected to justify any given guidance. But there's such a thing as ridiculous, averse decision-making when more data is simply a wasteful luxury. There are some important things that Dr. Walensky's new guidance also doesn't say but should be mentioned. First, it remains totally ridiculous to be masking children under the ages of 10 or 11. There's not one peer-reviewed journal study supporting this masking requirement for this age group furthermore this new guidance only applies to people who've been fully vaccinated with one of the three fda approved covid19 vaccines it says nothing about those with natural immunity that they acquired by having had really a confirmed case of covid masking should no longer apply to these people either but it's not said so in the guidance the problem with these folks the natural immunity group is they're going to run into an awful lot of trouble with proof that they've had the disease unless they request some kind of document from their physicians. These letters are hardly as convenient as a vaccine card or a vaccine passport. Moreover, this guidance does not forgive the immense damage done to children who've been out of school or have suffered through some bizarre combination of Zoom and in-person learning during these past four months. There's absolutely, positively, unequivocally no reason our schools have been closed during Dr. Walensky's time in in office. For this, I blame Joe Biden and his obsequious loyalty to politically charged unions. Additionally, this CDC's onerous and unsubstantiated guidances has crippled or forced the closure of untold numbers of small businesses and done immense damage to consumer psychology and our national security through our economic weakening. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the psychological toll and the numerous suicides that have been causally linked to perhaps well-intentioned but nonetheless devastating lockdowns and COVID-19 restrictions by blue state governors using CDC's guidance as some kind of excuse for their actions. Before I get into my planned show, let me say for the record that, that I like and respect Dr. Rochelle Walensky the current CDC director. I, I believe she's a solid, well-educated, and professionally trained senior physician who does have a significant background in infectious disease. Personally, I, I wouldn't hesitate to ask her to be her physician, although I don't personally know her. But now, nearly four months since she began this job, she had to come to a decision about whether she was going to run the CDC based on science or whether Susan Rison Ron Clay, you know, Biden's chief of staff, were whether these two were going to run the organization. In this possible sort of hopeful moment of truth, it appears Dr. Walensky has, has finally stood up and, and, and lifted these mask mandates and social distancing requirements that run counter to the president's messaging and his own ridiculous personal masking behavior. But well, we must not forget that Dr. Walensky has, has made Definitive statements about guidance in the recent past that the White House has walked back the day after, after she made them. So it remains to be seen if this guidance will meet the same fate. While this new masking guidance is a good start, there is no doubt that it's had an immediate impact on the teachers' unions. The AFT, or the American Federation of Teachers, immediately announced that all schools must must open immediately. Oh, what a disingenuous 360 on their part, especially since we're in the middle of May and there's hardly any school left. If this guidance is allowed to remain, watch Joe Biden come out and take take a bow for someone else's courageous stand. In today's show, I'll, I'll try and remember, in fairness to Dr. Walensky, that she's only been on the job for four months and that the handoff from the immediate past CDC director probably left her a somewhat demoralized organization. Nevertheless, at times I've, I've found her to be too deferential to the Biden politicos, and at times too emotionally invested in the work, like the time she went off script and announced her concern for the pending doom from COVID-19 variants. In no way do I give her a complete pass for much of the horse or the CDC has issued in COVID guidance over these past past months. Unquestionably, the next struggle is going to come when the CDC and the Biden administration push to have our children COVID vaccinated. The immunologic rationale for vaccinating our children, certainly those under the age of 12, is practically non-existent. Children 12 years of age and under have such a small risk of contracting a life-threatening case of COVID that it's, for all practical purposes, unmeasurable. The American Academy of Pediatrics informs us that over three million children and young adults aged 17 years and younger have contracted COVID-19 so far. Approximately 250 children have died. Most of these children had pre-existing chronic comorbidities that put them in a precarious situation once they contracted COVID-19. And many of the others were, were older children. You can compare these statistics against those of adults and I think I think you'll see there's good reason to wait on vaccinating children under the age of 12 until there's more long-term information about these vaccines. No, I'm not an expert epidemiologist or an immunologist or a virologist or a pianist or a saxophone player, but I can read and, and I can reason. Unlike the seasonal flu that attacks all age groups, and the risk of not vaccinating children is high, the same is not true of COVID-19. Some like to think of this in sort of a cost-benefit analysis way. For people over 65, especially those with comorbidities such as compromised immune systems, heart and lung disease, obesity and diabetes, the risk of not being vaccinated against COVID-19 is (laughs) extremely high. Likewise for children with compromised immune systems, cerebral palsy, obesity, diabetes, there is a measurable risk of COVID-19 that can be mitigated with one of the approved COVID vaccines, so it is something to look into. But before going any further on this topic, I'd like to switch gears and talk about President Donald Trump. Very few things tick me off more than watching Joe Biden wobble to the podium and take credit for Trump's Project Warp Speed and for the three vaccines, soon to be four, that we now have available. I hope we all realize that no other nation on Earth, not Russia, not China, not any of the European countries have accomplished what Trump's vision has been for the way out of this pandemic. I would suffer all the unholy Trump tweets in the world in exchange for this nation having one good, highly effective, extremely efficient and safe vaccine against COVID-19. Heck, we have three. Not only did Trump have the vision to push the bureaucracy, which by every report went along kicking and screaming, to form a public-private partnership with the leading vaccine producers, but he also set up the complete logistics system that's now in place to distribute these vaccines. The only credit Joe Biden deserves is for not having screwed it up, something he's entirely capable of. If you don't believe me, just look at our southern border. This, despite this remarkable unparalleled accomplishment, Joe Biden takes every chance, every chance he gets to publicly shame and embarrass Trump for the COVID-19 pandemic. D- d- don't forget for a moment that we still don't know the Biden family relationships and past dealings with the Chinese Communist Party. As Joe Biden himself said, he would have let the Chinese enter America at the very time, at the very beginning if you will, of the pandemic, when there was every indication that COVID-19 originated in China and that concentrations of COVID were at their highest peaks in China. Well, in many ways, Trump reminds me of Winston Churchill, who after heroically leading Britain to a victory in World War II, was unceremoniously put aside as the prime minister in an early post-World War II election. But there is a ray of hope. Winston Churchill came back and was reelected prime minister again from 1951 to 1955. Today, my guns are aimed at Biden's politicalization of all things COVID-19. This includes the lives lost and, harmed, and the harm done by, by our politically managed Center for Disease Control and Prevention's mismanagement of the COVID-19 pandemic from its very start right up until today. Just as a side note here, I'll continue to refer to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention as the CDC. As we move along, you'll come to understand just how much the Biden administration is into the control part of the CDC's title and how much they're invested into the manipulation of the prevention part of the same. Unquestionably, the Biden administration and the blue states have leveraged the COVID pandemic to their advantage. They've exerted unparalleled control over us from from the very acts of when we could go to the barbers to forcing us to learn how to zoom so that our children don't fall completely off the educational grid. Even under President Donald Trump, our politically hamstrung CDC was incompetent from the very beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak. And now, given what we've seen in the first 100 days plus of the newly crowned socialist president, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., the CDC has become hyper-politicized. So you, you want a few examples? Well, okay. On February 3rd, Dr. Walensky stated that, quote, so while we are implementing the criteria of the advisory committee and of the state and local guidelines to get vaccination across these eligible communities, I would also say that vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for safe reopening of schools. Let let me repeat that. I would also say that vaccination of teachers is not a prerequisite for the safe reopening of schools. Well, of course, that's before the teachers' unions complained to the White House, and Dr. Walensky had to walk this statement back. And as if that wasn't good enough on February 4th, which was the next day, the communications director, Jen Pisaki, said when asked a question about schools' reopening and teacher vaccinations, she said this, she, uh, the, the, uh,
1: Dr. Walensky um, spoke to this uh, in her personal capacity. Obviously, she's the head of the CDC, but we're going to wait for the final guidance to come out so we can use that as a guide for schools around the country.
0: If you're a Democrat, you, you don't mess with the National Education Association and or the American Federation of Teachers. Biden has $40 billion worth of donation reasons to, to pay attention to these unions. You yeah, Remember, the Joe's a union man. Uh, i mean excuse me he's a union person and what absolute horse manure about the cdc director issuing personal opinions the director of the cdc doesn't loosely proclaim personal opinions about public health policy how crazy how many times have we been told that joe biden and his merry band of backbenchers listened to the experts and the science and promised not to allow any political pressure to alter science-based public health policy. Like for real already. Here's another example. Uh, one on the question of double masking. There's no CDC recommendation on double masking but Dr. Fauci, he answers these questions about double masking all the time. Here's one such answer. See if you uh, if you get this confused with a CDC recommendation. Quote. There are many people who take the common sense approach. If you're talking about a physical barrier, and as the CDC recommends, you want at least two layers within the mask as a physical barrier, and you feel maybe more of a physical barrier, you would be better off with this. Now there's nothing wrong with people wearing two masks. I often wear two masks myself. So there's no official guidance on that, yet Fauci and other senior government officials are walking around with double mask, masks all the time. It's just completely nuts. How about another example? President Biden signs an executive order requiring mask wearing at all federal buildings, all federal places, and in public transportation and interstate travel. It's one of the reasons you still, still see everybody on Capitol Hill with masks. This is part of his nationwide 100-day mask challenge. Now, I don't know what he's doing since it's already been 100 days in office, but in any event... He estimated this was going to save somehow 50,000 lives. I mean, there's there's obviously no way to prove that. And he also continues to say it's the patriotic thing to do. But then he goes out the several monuments with his family right after the executive order for an unmasked photo shoot. Uh, here's another example. On a Friday, CDC boss Dr. Rochelle Walensky said, quote, the CDC recommends that pregnant people receive the COVID-19 vaccine. So she recommends they get this vaccine. On the next Monday, the CDC walks back her comments saying the recommendation simply says that, quote, pregnant people are eligible and can receive COVID-19 vaccines. Next example, Fauci says the CDC is a science-based organization. They don't want to make any guidelines unless they look at the data and the data backs it up. Okay, so show us the data that justifies masking kids, I would ask him. There's no such data exists. Uh, Recently, Senator Mike Lee from Utah, he's a Republican, and Representative Jason Smith, a Republican from Montana, sent a letter to the CDC demanding demanding information on how the CDC came to its conclusion that children two years and older should wear face masks. Now, uh, Senator Lee and and Representative Smith and 30 other signatories also point out that masking in much of Europe doesn't begin until around age 11 or 12. And as they point out, there's absolutely no data to support the CDC's masking guidance for children beginning at age 2. Europeans don't care uh, less about their kids than we do. And they go on to say, let's return our kids to Saturday. Stop masking kids. Do it now. Here's, here's another idiocy. Recently, MIT researchers showed that the CDC's six-foot social distancing rule has no basis in science. If you're indoors, your risk is the same whether an infected person is three feet away, six feet away, or even sixty feet away from you. Now, this is because the major mode of disease transmission is via airborne aerosol and not large droplets and secretions. The CDC six-foot rule comes right out of their 2009 guidelines for the prevention of influenza, which is not an airborne aerosolized disease. I looked these guidelines up myself. I couldn't believe it. 2009. Uh, Here's another one. As for herd immunity, neither Dr. Walensky or Dr. Fauci talk about the percent of Americans with natural immunity. Natural immunity, of course, the COVID-19 they acquired this immunity really the the, the old-fashioned way. They had confirmed cases of COVID. When you add the 58% of the nation that's vaccinated, including the 83% of seniors, the most susceptible to the deadly consequences of COVID, and and you add 30% of Americans with natural immunity, well, you can see, that is, if you can add, that we're already at herd immunity. Now, Dr. Marty Markary from the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health he, he recently said, quote, during the mildest flu season in the last eight years, there were 24 million cases, according to the CDC, and approximately 447,000 daily cases during its peak. He goes on to say, by comparison, we're averaging 49,000 daily COVID cases. And the same mild flu season resulted in 280,000 hospitalizations. By comparison, current COVID hospitalizations as of May 1 were around 35,000. Here's another opinion from Dr. Sanjay Gupta of CNN fame. You understand that CNN almost 997% of the time takes the administration's position in all things. So they're really not into bad mouthing or downplaying anything the CDC is up to. But here's a quote from him just recently.
2: So, you know, in the end, the CDC needs to be just a science-based organization. What does the science say? You don't need to wear a mask outside. It's just one of these things that, you know, again, we've known this for some time.
0: So true, Dr. Gupta. We've known this information for some time. But the politics of Democrat COVID got in the way of freeing Americans from these senseless burdens. Here's another curious example. When pushed by Chris Cuomo of CNN infamy, Dr. Wolinsky fails to admit the obvious truth that you you don't need you don't need to wear a mask outside or inside if you're fully vaccinated. Now, importantly, this interview occurred the night before Dr. Wolinsky's new May 13th guidelines, removing all masking and social distancing for people who are fully vaccinated. And this was quite a change of heart. Here's the clip data do you have that suggests you need to go slow before you let people completely unmask and
1: live their lives uh, if they've gotten the vaccine? You know, I know you're waiting for the data to say it's safe, but what data do you have that says it's unsafe? Well, you know, we we know the data are emerging, have been emerging with regard to the variants, specifically the UK variant, the Brazil variant, which is increasing here in the United States, the South Africa variant, Africa variant.
0: Uh, was was that an answer? There's this long pause, and then we get the, the shakedown about the variants. You know, here a variant, there a variant. If you look everywhere, there's a variant. Honest, this interview took place at 9.30 p.m. the day before Dr. Walensky completely did an about-face. Until May 13th, the guidance was that you have to wear a mask outdoors in crowded situations, even if you've been fully vaccinated. Now, remember, when we watched uh, Uncle Joe Biden walk 75 yards outside with no one around him, while still wearing a, a, a face mask, to announce and to hail the CDC guidelines that said, at that time, you no longer need to wear a mask outside, except when you're in a crowd, even if everybody in the crowd has been vaccinated. Now, you'll see in a moment what idiocy like this is doing to the cruise liner business in, in Florida. I don't think Biden ever takes that mask off for more than the 15 minutes it takes him to stumble through reading the macro font on the White House uh, teleprompter. All this nonsense is having a negative impact on public health uh, information. In a May 10th Rasmussen poll, 58% of Americans, this is a big poll, 58% of Americans believe will still be wearing masks in public for at least another six months. 25 expect to remain masked for up to 18 months. <laughs> Furthermore, almost half a 49% think those fully vaccinated should continue wearing a mask in public. 54% think those who had COVID and have recovered should remain uh, uh, wearing a mask for another, at least another six months. All this because they thought they were following the CDC science and they see Joe Biden get up there and religiously has his mask all the time and begin to freak out if he somehow has misplaced his mask. Now, who knows how long it's going to take to get the information out that you can now go maskless and whether anyone's really going to believe it. Trust me, I'm going to believe it, and I recommend that you do, too. Well, while we're talking about it, there really isn't any bigger symbol of this politicalization than Joe Biden and Dr. Fauci's mask-wearing behavior. It's all about the mask. Joe Biden... Dr. Anthony Fauci and the CDC have done more for the face mask and respirator industry than, than the Wright brothers did for aviation. I'll cover both the science and the politics behind the COVID-19 face masks. And just to be upfront about it, I'll approach the politics of COVID-19 from from the perspective of a lifelong conservative. W- while I'm mentioning perspectives, my approach to the science behind the protective masking is based on about 45 years of experience and study as a former registered respiratory therapist and a retired teaching fellow from the Harvard School of Public Health. I'm proud to say that I was among the first nationally to become a registered respiratory therapist, and as such, I directed departments of respiratory care at the Johns Hopkins Hospital and the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. So you could, you could say that I attended medical mask school before mask became a, a, fa- a fashion statement. There's now more than 135,000 of us. I, I mean registered respiratory therapists. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that respiratory therapy is among the fastest growing allied health professions in America. And no, we weren't once all coal miners exiled by Joe Biden into green healthcare professions. Believe me, respiratory therapists know a lot about airborne respiratory disease and when masks are called for and, and when they're just window dressing. Or as Senator and medical doctor Rand Paul says, uh, just theater, Dr. Fauci. They're, they're just theater. I'm going to begin the next stage of today's show by playing three short audio clips. The first one is of Senator Susan Collins, a Republican from Maine, testifying at a Senate update on the COVID pandemic uh, just this week. I'm usually not fond of what Senator Collins has to say, given she usually agrees more with Democrats than Republicans. But nonetheless, on on this issue, we agree.
1: Senator Collins. Thank you. Dr.
0: Walensky,
3: I used to have the utmost respect for the guidance from the CDC. I always considered the CDC to be the gold standard. I don't anymore.
0: Senator Collins listed three reasons for her change of opinion about the CDC's place among the pantheon of gold standards. We'll return to each of these three reasons as we move along today. The second audio clip is from a mother speaking at an open Gwinnett County, Georgia school board meeting in April. This mother, Courtney Ann Taylor, called out the board for their continued senseless mandate to mask 678 and nine-year-olds in allegiance to a misguided, non-science-based restrictive CDC guidance recommendation.
1: But it's April 15th, 2021, and it's time. Take these masks off of my child.
0: Given the lack of evidence for masking kids this young, I think that her request is totally reasonable. Her six-year-old daughter complained she didn't want to wear the mask to school anymore. You don't have to be as young as a six-year-old to understand and detest wearing a surgical face mask each school day for up to seven hours.
1: And forcing five, six, seven, eight, and nine-year-old little children to cover their noses and their mouths where they breathe for seven hours a day every day for the last nine months for a virus that you know doesn't affect them.
0: This third clip is from a world-renowned practicing physician and noted research scientist at Stanford University.
1: No, I don't think if there's any good reason to vaccinate kids that young. Uh, the, for kids, they face a vanishingly small risk from COVID itself, near zero, uh, from, you know, a mortality from COVID. Uh, at, at the same time, they haven't really tested the vaccine on enough children to know that, that w- with any confidence what the adverse, serious adverse event rate is. Anything more than zero, and you would say you wouldn't, the balance just doesn't work. Why would I vaccinate my kid against something, a disease for whom that, that it's not actually all that deadly?
0: Dr. Jay Bhattacharya is a professor of medicine and economics at Stanford. And I have another clip to play for you right after the break. Hey, and talking about breaks, why don't we take a short one? You all please hurry back now. I'll I'll be here.
3: Well, my fellow Americans, how did you feel watching footage on the news of domestic terrorists looting our stores and burning our cities down? Uh, You were probably disgusted and angry as much as I was. It's disturbing what's going on. Well, you'd be shocked to know that your shopping habits are supporting these extremists. Companies like Amazon, Nike, Disney, FedEx, it's an endless list. And they've been supporting these radical groups. Let's stop supporting companies that fund these extremist groups We can all do our part. Visit ShopToTheRight.com and you'll find businesses in a nationwide database and companies that are aligned with our American values. Visit ShopToTheRight.com and let's all make a difference.
2: Is a record player the best way to listen to music? Of course not. So why are you still taking vitamins that haven't been upgraded since the 1930s? Even if your vitamins aren't hard to swallow, it's time to upgrade to Healthy Cells pill-free, patent-pending microgel supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. They taste great, convenient on the go, and they're more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Go to healthycell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off.
3: Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters. Turn notifications on and stay in the know. You'll find all that back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all.
0: Greetings and hallucinations, and welcome back to The Frankly Daniel Show. Before the break, we heard a clip from Dr. Jay Betachera, who's concerned about vaccinating young children with the COVID-19 vaccine. Let's listen to another clip from him.
1: Yeah, I put parents in a bind. I put me in a bind. I have, I have young children myself right around that age. Um, I, mean, I don't think it's good for my kids to get that vaccine. I've vaccinated my kids with every other vaccine because there are really deadly diseases that can affect children, measles, mumps, rubella, that you absolutely should get your kids vaccinated for. Uh, My kids are vaccinated, but for this vaccine, it doesn't make sense to me why I should vaccinate my children um, when the risks are so low to them, and it doesn't actually help with reducing the risk of disease
0: for the rest of the population. I predict this issue, COVID vaccines for children under the ages of 15, 12, and 10, will certainly be up front and center this fall when when schools are supposed to be fully open. Yes, teachers will be back in school because the unions have run out of things to hold school districts hostage for. But now the school boards will certainly be confronted with a new set of CDC guidance recommendations that children of a certain age group should be vaccinated before school starts this fall. School boards will certainly consult their attorneys and and then not wanting to accept any liability that they're going to mandate students be vaccinated for COVID-19. Do you know we're currently falling behind in just the regular childhood vaccinations in this country? I mean, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, diphtheria. Uh, The anti-vaxxers have a lot to do with this, no doubt. I can't imagine they're going to buy into this CDC guidance on COVID-19 vaccinations for, for their children. But the wider distrust in our public health institutions and its waffling behavior and ill-advised recommendations from government entities uh, like the CDC, that's what's doing the damage. If you think these last months have been confrontational between parents and school boards, stay tuned. It's going to get very heated. Parental rights have suffered a damaging blow these past 15 months because of the CDC's bogus recommendations. Before venturing any further, let me say that Dr. J. Batichera is one of three authors who organized the Great Barrington Declaration. It's a signatory statement that calls on governments to lift lockdown restrictions on the young and healthy people while focusing protection uh, really on the elderly. The, The declaration also points to the psychological and economic harm of over restrictive public health measures. Thousands of public health practitioners and scientists have signed on to the Great Barrington Declaration, including myself. So with the table set, let's jump right into our CDC mismanagement discussion. And I'll try and slow down just a little bit, but I got a lot to get through in a short amount of time. It begins with President Trump's appointment of Dr. Robert Redfield to lead the CDC in 2018. In hindsight, this was a terrible choice to lead this organization, that had just suffered a political scandal when the CDC director, Brenda Fitzgerald, resigned.
1: The director of the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Dr. Brenda Fitzgerald, has just resigned.
0: Yeah, a statement from the Department of
1: Health and Human Services cites what it calls complex financial interests that limit her ability to do the job, a job, by the way, that she's held for less than seven months. But reportedly, the complex interests include the purchases of stock in tobacco companies, While heading up the CDC, the agency that is very involved, of course, with fighting smoke. That would be a a conflict of interest. Of course, we'll let you know more as soon as we get it.
0: Yes, the appointment of Dr. Robert Redfield turned out to be a stinker, but for different reasons than those of Dr. Fitzgerald. I don't fault Trump for having erroneously appointed Dr. Redfield to this critical post. President Trump did enormous good throughout his presidency, more than any other president in memory. And my memory goes all the way back to my time on the ark with Noah. Let me give you some background information on Dr. Robert Redfield. Prior to his appointment as Trump's new CDC director, Redfield had been twice passed over for the CDC directorship, a position he openly lobbied for for a number of years. Redfield's appointment ignited a controversy before he even took the job. Some say it was because of his dubious management uh, qualifications. Then there was also his agreed-upon starting salary request, Democrats, Democrats use this wage war against Redfield's appointment because his agreed-upon salary was out of line with similar positions in the government. For instance, he was offered $375,000 a year. After all, Dr. Fauci is the highest-paid federal employee. He has a salary of $424,000 a year, and that doesn't even include federal benefits. Heck, the President of the United States makes only $400,000 a year. And I wonder if this is why Joe Biden keeps saying no one making $400,000 a year or less will see their taxes increase. It could be. Nevertheless, the Democrats cried foul about the salary, but Redfield wanted the job so bad that he eventually agreed to work for $209,000. Now, according to the Wall Street Journal, this was a huge pay cut from his position at the University of Maryland, which paid him $827,000 including bonuses and consulting fees. That was for a year. Gosh, obviously, Redfield really wanted this job. Well, enough said on that front. I believe most of us familiar with his appointment would agree that Dr. Redfield's tenure at the CDC suffered an epic failure in the spring of 2020, when under his direction, the CDC bungled a COVID-19 test kit rollout. Now, This was quickly followed by a a host of mixed and confusing precautionary guidelines based on flawed theories about COVID's mode of transmission. Let me give you four reasons why Redfield failed. The first CDC mistake was on the initial defective COVID-19 test kits sent to monitoring laboratories across all 50 states at the very beginning of the pandemic. These contaminated kits, 200 in total, were sent to 100 public health labs, run by states and in counties nationwide. This was the CDC's normal surveillance approach to monitoring a disease outbreak. Each kit had enough testing material to test about between 300 and 400 patients. In other words, between 60,000 and 80,000 tests could be performed at, at the top. However, not only were the reagents in the kits contaminated, but essential testing reagents and protocols were missing. Unbelievably, 33% of the time these tests gave false results. Even more unbelievably, the CDC learned this fact late in the kit packaging, but without an alternative, they decided to ship these kits anyway and then hoped they quickly could regroup. Now, these flawed kits and their decision to ship them didn't surface immediately, and much of what we know now is only because of an after-event root cause analysis, which was conducted sometime much later after the event. Additionally, these limited and defective kits were sent to labs in the interior of the country where COVID had not yet reached, thus leaving places like New York City and LA in dire straits for CDC-approved testing kits. The immediate problem was that Reports of COVID infection in Washington State and in New York were off the wall while no one was complaining of COVID in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, or Cheyenne, Wyoming. In short, this fiasco set testing and case identification back multiple weeks and began what has today become the bankruptcy of trust in all things COVID and the CDC. Let me ask, what kind of possible life and death test would would you want to take that's accurate only 67% of the time? Furthermore, you don't even know if you're in the 67% uh, correct group. Uh, no, No, thank you. I've had enough things in my life that nearly scared me to death. I didn't need to add another one like an inaccurate COVID test from the CDC. This is especially true since like so many folks, I'm an immune compromised individual and I've been battling leukemia for the second time in my life. I mention this so that you can understand that I, like so many folks, am particularly sensitive to the CDC's COVID-19 misinformation and deeply flawed guidance. In any event, Dr. Redfield's second mistake was largely the result of his first CDC mistake. Any trust Redfield had with the Trump White House quickly eroded from the point of the defective test kits going forward. But this was no time to replace him, and the White House then, in my opinion, made a huge mistake. They took over the CDC's messaging about the pandemic. And this continued and even at times inflamed the confusion on pandemic guidance. So what happened next? Instead of a strong CDC director, we got a third-string public health official, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who wasn't even a CDC member in charge of the public health messaging about COVID. This has proven to be a complete farce as Fauci has waffled from don't wear a mask, to always wear a mask, to the ultimate impracticality, wear two masks. In my opinion, once the Trump-Pence White House took control of all CDC messaging, Redfield should have resigned. Instead, he stuck around and became involved in the anti-Trump subterfuge, even at one point testifying at a Senate hearing that wearing a surgical mask was more protective than a COVID vaccine. Now, this is a completely ludicrous statement. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID than when I take a COVID vaccine. Redfield's third mistake was going along to get along with the prevailing conventional wisdom of the medical research community. The largely medical types, the virologists, the epidemiologists, infectious disease practitioners, and health services researchers focused on diseases in populations, instead of paying attention to the research advice from the mechanical and industrial engineers who focused on airflow dynamics, air exchange, and airflow filtering technologies. All of these things a respiratory therapist could have told you. It turns out, after COVID-19 vaccines, ventilation is the dominant solution to COVID-19. The greater the ventilation, the greater the air exchange, and the greater the air filtering, the lesser the chance of COVID-19 infection. You know the problem with conventional wisdom? Once it's established, you need a Richter scale 8.5 sized earthquake to change it. The CDC's mistake was labeling the wrong primary mode of disease transmission. COVID-19 isn't transmitted like influenza, a large respiratory droplet type of disease. Instead, COVID-19 is mostly an aerosolized airborne disease and is not usually spread by a large respiratory droplets that don't float easily and, and they quickly fall to the ground within three to six feet of the infected person. In this way, it acts more like a contagious measles and chickenpox disease that transmit predominantly through air and across long distances. None of these diseases like COVID-19 are visible to the human eye. The airborne characteristics of COVID-19 is why it's 20 times more infectious in an indoor setting, especially if the room is poorly ventilated and you remain with an infected person for extended periods of time. Note the highest peak of COVID-19 cases in the U.S. occurred this past January, one of our coldest seasonal months, when everybody was indoors. Furthermore, our highest reported months of self-masking had been throughout this winter, while the lowest number of COVID cases occurred in late summer. Initially, WHO, I mean the World Health Organization and the CDC, were adamant that airborne transmission of COVID-19 was not possible. Only recently have they admitted it was definitely possible, and in May they've come a full 180 degrees and state that COVID-19 is now predominantly an aerosolized airborne disease. This is why Dr. Fauci was right in the first time he spoke about face masks. You don't really need them, he said. Walking around in public with a mask doesn't really protect you. Well, Recently, Fauci has disingenuously claimed that his early advice uh, about the public not using masks was to prevent some run on the short supply of masks balderdash, that's what I say, (laughs) surgical masks were hardly more plentiful, and certainly not the vaulted N95 masks, in late March through early April than they were in February. What happened? It was that the CDC and Fauci used the public health messaging of mask necessity to signal danger, danger, and instill fear among all of us. People wearing masks automatically social distance, The focus was on hand hygiene and copious use of hand sanitizers, all good advice for large droplet respiratory diseases like influenza. Think about it this way, when you're in a large room and someone on the other side of the space lights a pipe, cigarette, cigar, how long does it take before you smell the smoke? COVID-19 in many ways acts exactly like smoke you smell, even though you don't see the actual smoke near you. I've also heard this described as when someone, it's always a mystery, passes gas in an elevator. You don't see the gas, but you, well, you get the idea. Did wearing a mask uh, help you not smell what was in the air in either of these cases? Did you see see it in either of these cases? Would washing your hands help you not breathe it in in either of these cases? This bad call led to all sorts of wrong CDC recommendations, from social distancing, to masks, to double masks, to home and business lockdowns, to school closings, and a host of other bizarre rituals like like wiping down delivered groceries with Clorox cloths. Listen closely to this next clip between Chuck Todd and Dr. Fauci. This just happened a couple of days ago.
3: The headline yesterday from the CDC about the virus spreading um, through aerosol form And I'll be honest with you, Dr. Fauci, I had to check the date of the article to make sure it wasn't from a year earlier. This felt like a known thing. So now that there is a formal acknowledgement now of aerosol transmission, what does this mean for workplaces? What does this mean for schools, homes, things like this, if we're going to have to live with this virus for another year or so?
1: Well... I mean, as you mentioned, Chuck, correctly, this is something we've known for some
3: time now. So when you have aerosol, then the distance between people becomes a little bit more problematic because generally when you say you have a certain distance, that the droplets will fall and not reach a person. So right now, this is going to have an
0: emphasis on proper ventilation. Hilarious. Hilarious. Notice what Dr. Fauci said. He said, we've known this for a long time now. Oh, hockey pucks, Dr. Fauci. All his recommendations have been geared toward large droplet respiratory disease, and they still are. He's going to focus on ventilation now? Oh, my hockey pucks, please. Listen to this very recent clip of Fauci still recommending children wear masks, although their vaccinated parents no longer have to. I ask you, does this sound like he's changed his approach to this disease?
1: What is your message to parents who are out there thinking, well, I'm vaccinated, my kids are not, but... The odds of them getting the virus are very low would you tell them no 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 the kids still need to wear a mask
3: yeah the the children do when they're out there playing with their friends and uh, you know in in particularly in an indoor situation
0: Fauci's already on to the next cdc recommendation to get masks off children they must be vaccinated they don't need masks now and they never have needed them just stop the biden control con game Listen to the science, Dr. Fauci. The CDC's recommendation that children going to summer camps must be masked except when swimming, that one still stands. Masking still remains what it has always been throughout this pandemic, political. Trump was right about masking, but then again, Trump has always been a straight shooter. Pelosi, however, just said despite the CDC's new guidance, House members will still have to wear a mask while in chambers. On to the last and fourth Redfield CDC mistake. This was about face masking and social distancing guidance. But this mistake is predicated really on the third mistake, getting the mode of transmission wrong. Masks are a poor prophylactic against COVID-19. Yet we've been glued to them for 15 months now, all thanks to Dr. Fauci and the CDC. Dr. Redfield, he was clearly a bureaucrat's bureaucrat, his incompetence wasn't tied to any political ideology. Unfortunately, the Biden administration is far more organized in their political control over all government agencies, and they have the CDC on the tightest leash. In, in the fierce chaos of Biden trying to stuff all things socialist down America's way of life, the CDC needed a strong, uncompromising street fighter to replace Redfield. Instead, We got a nice, overly sensitive bedside physician in Dr. Walensky, who quickly adopted the same style of doublespeak attributed to Dr. Anthony Fauci. Every time she's tried to break out of the White House's control, she's been brushed back. Yes, as it turns out, over the last 14 months, the CDC has inflicted draconian restrictions on Americans that have placed incalculable psychological hardships and severe economic losses on tens of millions of us and the educational and social psychological damages to our kids will be studied for decades to come all because the cdc under trump and now under most certainly biden's politically heavy white house backroom the cdc has based its recommendations on flimsy science conjecture and lazy risk-averse research one of the most egregious pieces of disinformation has to do with your likelihood Of contracting COVID-19 while outdoors. Yet it was just revealed in the New York Times of all places, the CDC has been exaggerating the outdoor COVID transmission risk by claiming less than 10% of infections happen outside, leading you to believe that you still have a pretty good chance of getting an infection unmasked while you're outside. Well, technically that's true. You know, less than 100% of infections also happen outside. Almost any percent less than the true infection risk is less than what they're telling you. That's because the risk, the true risk, is below 1%. And there's data supporting the idea that it's actually as low as 0.1%. And that's for unvaccinated folks, not for vaccinated folks. If you're vaccinated, how much lower do you think the actual risk is? Well, the Texas Rangers had an opening day with a jam-packed stadium, and the mask mandate by gov- the governor of Texas was dropped a month before the game. Guess what? No super spreader event. In fact, no one has been able to trace a case back to attending the game. Think back to the 2021 Super Bowl in Tampa. Same thing. Democrats were screaming that Trump or Tom Brady was participating in a COVID super spreader event. No such thing happened. The 10% myth apparently surfaced under the current CDC director's watch. That would be Dr. Rochelle Walensky. This piece of misinformation fit the White House's propaganda that COVID is a dangerous disease and we have to continue pumping trillions of dollars into socialist programs to fight it. Here's something that should blow you away. It certainly did me. Through a recently filed Freedom of Information Act, a journalist found out that, quote, The CDC is not aware of any randomized controlled trials that show that masks, double masks, or cloth mask face coverings are effective against COVID-19. Until now, the CDC has been citing observational studies and anecdotal stories of mask protection against COVID-19. This doesn't mean that masks don't have some limited protective value against covid It just means that everything that they've been talking about is theoretical speculation. This is another reason why in the face of people being fully vaccinated, the CDC had to drop the mask indoor and outdoor mask mandate along with the social distancing guidance. Well, even before Joe Biden became president, and certainly since, he's been putting the scare into America about covid while at the same time telling us how he's single-handedly vaccinating America, without mentioning that he's using Trump's vaccines uh, to make himself a hero. But more sinisterly, Biden needed to pass the COVID-19 American Rescue Plan, in which only nine cents of the dollar out of about $1.9 trillion went to anything remotely related to COVID. And now he's trying He used the same techniques to get America to buy into more spending to get America back to work. I believe I've mentioned this before, but I've been a long-time student of the American Civil War. Among the very many capable Confederate generals during that war was a man named Nathan Bedford Forrest. General Forrest was a highly unorthodox, yet extremely capable general. He believed that the best way to conquer the Yankees was to scare them into running or into outright surrender. His motto was, you got to keep the scare up. You got to keep the scare up. Supposedly, his most fond saying was, keep the scare up. It's the only way you get them to do something they wouldn't otherwise think about. Among the many things Biden and the Democrats are up to, one of them for sure is keeping the scare up. We've certainly seen this with the use of COVID to manipulate our fears and our hesitancy to return to normal. I regret I have only one life to give to my fellow conservatives, and I regret I had only one hour to give to this topic. I'll return to it, however. There's so much more to say. My recommendation? If you have a full box of surgical masks at home, don't buy any more. They don't do well at garage sales. I've already tried. (laughs) Just joking. I can't possibly thank you enough. You were marvelous and so patient with me again today. Let's do talk therapy again next week. Same place, same time. Until then, cheers and blessings.